MacCast, Sunday, October 16th, 2022. Hey, Mac Geeks, it's time for your MacCast, the show for Mac Geeks by Mac Geeks. I'm Adam, and this is the show where we discuss all things Macintosh. How are you doing? Welcome back. To the MacCast. Glad to be back here with you for another week of Apple news, hints, tips, tricks, all the goings-ons in our little Apple and Macintosh community. How are you doing? I hope you are having a great wonderful day, week, evening, uh, weekend, whatever it may be. We are sitting down to talk about uh, what's going on in the Apple world, and we have a few things to get into in this episode. We're going to be getting into... Uh, What's coming next for Apple? We've been talking about that for a little bit. We have new information on iPad OS and maybe some of the new products and what might be happening with an Apple event or maybe not with an Apple event. Uh, Apple is getting a little more into banking, at least with the help of their partners. We'll talk about that. We've got a bunch of Apple TV Plus news, including Johnny Ive coming back to Apple, sort of, in a little bit of a way on the entertainment side. So we'll talk about what that means we have a bunch of international news. We've got a bunch of iPhone news, Apple headset, uh, VR headset stuff, some new information there, some Apple car stuff. Basically a whole mix and mash of lots of little things happening in the Mac community right now as we get toward the end of the year and, you know, the launch of maybe some last new products before uh, before the year here closes out. Then after that, we're going to get into some follow-up on um, our discussion regarding Apple support. And actually have an interesting new take on that this week, thanks to some feedback from a listener. We are going to get into an Apple Watch feature, a requested feature, that uh, may be already something that you can enable. We have a little follow-up on our audio streams, multiple audio streams discussion and then I have a thing of the moment for you. We haven't done one of those in a while, and I have something that came up for me in uh, sort of some of the things that I've been doing outside the MacCast. So a good little thing of the moment, and that should wrap up or round out this episode of the MacCast. So I hope you enjoy it. Let's just dive right in and talk about some new products. Mark German thinks that he has a handle on the launch date or the release date for iPad OS 16, He's saying that that is going to happen the week of October 24th, so coming up here in just a little bit, and that would time it just ahead of Apple's fourth quarter 2022 earnings call, which is happening on October 27th. So the assumption is that the OS release would be in line with the potential announcement of Apple's new Apple products, and that would include the new updated 14-inch and 16-inch MacBook Pros, uh, possible updated Mac Minis, new iPads in the form of iPad Pros and a new entry-level iPad and then maybe possibly also a new Apple TV. We've been talking about all those things, so if you want to know more about those, go back and listen to previous episodes of the MacCast. We've been getting into a lot of the details, but basically M- M2 updates to a lot of the Macs, M2 updates to the Mac uh, to the iPad Pros and that sort of thing, and a nice little update to the Apple TV. All that is expected to be announced, but with that date looming, October 24th, and no invites being sent out yet, and the earnings call being potentially in the same week, which would be a little bit unusual for Apple to do an earnings call and an Apple event. It's looking more and more like the possibility of an actual event is going away, and this was something that was being rumored about 
And I think we discussed on previous episodes of the Backcast that a lot of analysts, I think including Mark Gurman, had said Apple could roll out these new products just with a press release, and they may even do it over a couple of weeks, so they might not even come out all at the same time. I think we're thinking the iPads may be the first thing. As a matter of fact, Gurman said we could see the iPad sooner than the new Macs. Gurman noted that the new M2 iPad Pro would be coming very soon, along with the introduction of that entry-level, updated entry-level iPad, and noted that the updated 14-inch and 16-inch MacBook Pros with the M2 Pro and M2 Max chips could be introduced at a later date. So we might get the iPads along with the release of iPadOS 16, and then uh, Macs would follow behind that. We also might get a later announcement if we get a later release of the MacBook Pros of that new M2 Mac Mini update. And then there's still the potential that we could get an M2 Pro version of the Mac Mini, sort of a Pro Mac Mini that a lot of people had been hoping for. But that could happen maybe in the November timeframe. I would think Apple would want to get all these announcements out before the holiday season, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. And then one thing I'm really looking forward to would be an updated Apple TV And I hope that happens before the end of the year as well. There was another product that German had been alluding to a while back. And I think we talked about this whole idea of merging an Apple TV, an iPad, and a HomePod into sort of a home hub, a home entertainment system hub, or just a centralized location for all of your media Now he's back saying that Apple may be planning a new iPad docking accessory that would basically become that. You kind of have a HomePod, maybe, although I don't think they said this in the announcement, an Apple TV thing kind of rolled into a base station that you could leave in your living room. And then when you came home, you could take your iPad and dock that into that. And then that would become kind of this home accessory with you know, video conferencing with FaceTime and all of your audio system and you could control your home set up in your home kit and everything kind of all in one in this centralized docking station yet it would still be versatile enough enough that when you wanted to you could just undock your ipad and you have that as separate as a separate device so i find that kind of product pretty interesting and it could be something that apple could be planning on doing again it's looking like that may be something they plan on introducing or releasing next year again it's kind of a in development product so who knows if they actually will ever bring anything out like that but I thought it was interesting nonetheless, and I'd be curious to know what you think about that. DigiTimes is also reporting that Apple could rely on hybrid OLED technology to make iPads thinner by 2024. They say that the technology combines rigid OLED glass substrates with flexible OLED thin film encapsulation. And the advantage on this is not only is it thinner, but it could lower production costs. And according to the report... Uh, it can do that because it doesn't require a backlighting layer. So another way to make iPads even thinner, they're already so thin already, I don't know how they can make them much thinner and still maintain all of the connectors. But as we know, we've talked about maybe those going away at some point too with wireless charging and wireless connectivity. We could be getting by 2024 to a place where, you know what, we just don't have physical wired connectors anymore. So we'll have to wait and see how that pans out. But Thinner iPads, if you can believe that. And then, finally, some good news this week for Windows users who subscribe to Apple services. Microsoft announced that they are going to be offering Apple TV and Apple Music apps 
in the Microsoft Store next year, and early betas will be available soon. So currently, Windows users have to use Apple's web portals to access Apple TV and music content on their PCs, or fall back to the crusty old iTunes for Windows for music, which is a pretty darn awful user experience has never been very good. So the fact that we might be getting some native Apple TV and Apple music apps on Windows is, I think, a welcome breath of fresh air if you are a Windows user. They also announced that Windows 11 Photos app is going to be getting iCloud integration. Yep, so Windows users will be able to browse their iCloud photo library from inside the Windows Photos app. I mean, what a different world that is, right? Whoever thought we would be there? But uh, that's, again, some great news for those of you who uh, are Windows PC users out there. And, and, you know, I know there's a lot of people in our community that are cross-platform. And so this will make things a lot easier and really open up Apple services. I think this is a good call on Apple's part. Now, if they can just get messages for Android and for Windows, that would be amazing. We can hope, right? Someday. But uh, that's kind of the latest with uh, iPadOS and kind of new products. Now, here's an interesting new foray into uh, finance and banking for Apple. We've heard rumors for a while that Apple might be wanting to get deeper into banking. Apple themselves aren't going into banking, but they have their partner, Goldman Sachs, who does the Apple card. And Apple and Goldman Sachs announced this week a new savings account for Apple card users. I think this is pretty cool. This came out in a press release, and it says it's going to be rolled out in the coming months and will offer a new high-yield savings account to Apple Card users, although they don't announce the interest rate on that high yield. So we'll have to wait and see how high exactly it is. But what it's going to do is it's going to allow Apple Card users to take their daily cash and transfer that into this new savings account with no fees, no minimum deposit, and no minimum balance requirements. So you can start earning interest on your daily cash, which is going to be kind of nice. That's like even more cash back with your Apple card. And users can also deposit or transfer additional funds from their savings account to and from rather their savings account through a linked bank account. So you'll be able to take money out, put money in all without any kinds of fees, and you'll be able to earn savings on your uh, Apple card daily cash. So I think that's a pretty cool, cool little feature. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing how that works when that all comes out. Now a little bit of Apple TV Plus news. Apple announced uh, an upcoming short film coming to Apple TV Plus this holiday season. It's called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. And it's a film based on the best-selling book from Charlie McKeskey of the same name. The story focuses on the friendship between the boy and the animals as they go on a journey to help the boy find a home. Apple says it's a story of kindness, friendship, courage, and hope for viewers of all ages. The film is actually being executive produced by Johnny Ive and Woody Harrelson. So we've got Ive back involved in an Apple project, which is kind of nice. And it's going to feature the voices of Tom Hollander as the mole, Idris Elba as the fox, Gabriel Byrne as the horse, and newcomer Jude Coward Nichol as the voice of the boy. So you can look forward to that. Actually, a lot of uh, new holiday things coming out on Apple TV Plus soon. So excited about Apple's new uh, lineup for the holidays. And speaking of the holidays, the Peanuts holiday specials 
are something that Apple TV Plus has been carrying. They've also made them available to PBS for the past couple of years. But this year is going to be a little bit different. Apple has an exclusive deal for Snoopy and all the Peanuts content with uh, the company called Wild Brain. Over the past few years, they have made the classic Peanuts holiday specials like It's a Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, and a Charlie Brown Christmas available to PBS for everyone to watch, but they're not going to be doing that this year. This year, Apple will have the classics and a combination of new specials available on Apple TV Plus to subscribers, but the classics will also still be available to non-subscribers, but this year only on Apple TV Plus and only for a limited time. So, Apple will make those available for free to everyone. It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown will stream for free from October 28th through October 31st. Uh, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving from November 23rd through November 27th. And a Charlie Brown Christmas December 22nd through December 25th. And, you know, this is a nice little promo for Apple TV+. Plus. It gets people coming to the platform. Uh, I know those holiday specials uh, mean a lot to a lot of people, which is why Apple kind of made them available to PBS. I think originally they wanted to have them only available on Apple TV+, and there was kind of a big outcry. I don't know if you remember us covering that story, but that's sort of what went down. And um, yeah, they've obviously decided that now Apple TV+, Plus is kind of a big enough thing that they can maybe get people to flock over for these specials so we'll have to see how that goes and i'd be curious to get your opinion on this do you think it's okay at this point or are those things that need to stay on broadcast television somewhere give me your opinion mattcast at gmail.com another thing we've been talking about for a bit is the fact that apple's wanting to expand its ad revenue and its ad programs and one of the ways that they might be doing that is by bringing advertising to apple tv plus I, as you know, am not a huge fan of this, but DigiDay is reporting that Apple plans to sell video ads in early 2023. And the belief is, is that Apple might be considering an ad-supported tier for Apple TV+, Plus, like many of the other streaming services have been doing. Now, this could be interesting if Apple makes this a free tier of Apple TV+, Plus. But as you likely know, the price for a subscription on Apple TV Plus, a paid subscription, is already really pretty low at $4.99 US a month. So I can't imagine that they would go lower offering a, you know, like $1.99 a month ad-supported tier or something like that. So I can only see two things happening. Either the ad-supported tier is free and they keep the current subscription price of $4.99 for those who want to pay for no ads, or what's probably more likely going to happen is the $4.99 becomes the ad-supported tier and they raise the price for everybody else to something like $9.99 or $7.99 a month like a lot of the other streaming services have been doing. And I don't, I just don't think that's great, <laughs> you know. But Apple can do whatever they want. We'll have to wait and see what they do. And we're only speculating at this point. So they could go anyway. I just hope it's the former rather than the the latter. But it's seeming like inevitable that ads are going to be coming in some form to apple tv plus at least according to all the rumors that have been floating around so this is another area where i'd love to get your thoughts and opinions what do you think about this is this a good thing is this a bad thing it certainly would open up the service to a lot more people but i think it is going to do it at the detriment of us paid subscribers and uh i think we're going to be hit in one way or the other but again we'll have to wait and see and again send me your opinion your opinion mattcast at gmail.com 
And regardless of whether or not Apple offers up a free tier, it does seem like the service just continues to get more and more popular. Just Watch is out with their third quarter of 2022 report on subscribers to U.S. streaming services, and Apple TV has gained another 1% of the market share. They say that Apple TV Plus now has a 7% share of the U.S. streaming market. That puts them a lot closer to Hulu, which has about around 10% of the market. And so they are gaining subscribership. Uh, Netflix continues to be the top along with the Amazon Prime right behind them. But both of those services are actually either steady or slightly losing subscribership. So that's where Apple is gaining a little bit uh, along with some of the other uh, streaming services. And then, as you know, we've been talking about Apple wanting to get more and more into sports. They've done their deal with Major League Baseball, also MLS. And uh, we know they've been trying to get in the NFL involved uh, with the sun, with trying to do a Sunday ticket deal. But now we're getting a report out of CNBC saying that things have stalled a little bit. And that's because Apple basically wants a pretty big deal and they want a lot of rights and even though they're willing to pay for it uh the nfl may not be able to or may not want to actually give them what they want and basically it looks like what they're looking for is the right to air all games in local markets regardless of you know what's happening in the broadcast in that area and they also want international rights so they don't want to have blackouts and they want to be able to do international streaming of games the problem is the nfl has existing deals with broadcasters like fox and cbs that uh, maybe they can't get around or they can't break and they've also never sold international broadcast rights for nfl games so they're trying to work out exactly how they're going to do that that supposedly has sort of stalled talks with apple but again apple has pretty deep pockets and is willing to probably do a pretty big deal so could be lucrative for the NFL if they can figure it out. But that seems to be the latest on what's happening there and some of the latest stuff that's happening with Apple Entertainment and Apple TV+. Plus. Now moving on to some international Apple news. ET News reported that Apple will, would finally be adding 5G support for iPhones in India via a software update coming in December. Apple reportedly met with the Indian carrier Airtel and has been allegedly testing 5G support on iPhones in Mumbai and New Delhi. Apple then confirmed in a statement to TechCrunch that they will release a software update in December, bringing 5G support for compatible iPhones on Indian carriers. Ming-Chi Kuo continues to report that Apple is looking to further reduce its reliance on manufacturing in China. This week, he said that Apple is shifting more iPhone production into India. They're also looking at moving more MacBook production and assembly into Thailand. But don't expect all of this to happen overnight. It's likely going to be a slow process with the switchover and transitions taking between five, between three to five years. And it's not going to be a, a full pullout of China completely. Apple just looking to better diversify their global supply chain and i think overall that's a good thing it sort of protects them from uh you know changes in the landscape as it were the latest updates to the homepod mini software came out and it looks like apple added siri siri support for finnish norwegian and swedish languages but here's the thing you currently can't buy an a homepod mini in denmark finland norway or sweden so 
Does that mean you may be able to get an iPad or a HomePod mini rather in one of those markets soon? It's seeming like it. And let's hope that that happens pretty soon because HomePod mini is a great product. And I'm sure those of you who are in Denmark, Finland, Norway, or Sweden uh, would love to get your hands on one. So it looks like it might be just around the corner. And then moving over to Brazil, a court in Brazil has ruled that Apple must provide chargers to any Brazilians who purchased an iPhone after October 13th, 2020. Now, don't expect that you're going to be getting your free charger anytime soon. What's happened is the court made the ruling. They also assessed Apple with a $19 million fine for quote-unquote social damages over Apple's decision to not include a charger with the sale of an iPhone. You may remember Apple was also levied a $2.34 million fine by the Brazilian Justice Ministry for the same reason back in September. That decision, Apple has appealed the ruling and they still have not paid that fine yet. I suspect with this latest ruling, the same thing is going to happen. I'm sure Apple's going to be appealing it. So uh, you're not going to be getting your free charger probably anytime soon, but it could eventually happen should uh, Apple sort of play out all of their appeals. But there you have it, some of the latest international Apple news. Looks like apples are more popular among teens than ever, at least if you believe some recent studies. A study out this week, or a couple of studies out this week, show that teens love Apple products. Piper Sandler has done their Taking Stock with Teens report this year, and uh, notes that 31% of U.S. teens own an Apple Watch and another 16% say they're planning on buying one. So that's roughly one-third of all teenagers in the U.S. with an Apple Watch. That is a pretty big number and a little bit hard to believe. As a matter of fact, some analysts like Philip Elmer DeWitt have questioned the survey because he says it tends to skew toward American suburbs and probably a little more affluent uh, users, should we say. So maybe a little bit skewed in terms of the report, but still he does say it kind of shows the trend that, you know, teens do like their Apple products. The same report also mentions that 87% of American teens own an iPhone and that 88% expect their next iPhone to, or their next phone rather, to be an iPhone. And whilst you may think the Apple Watch is popular with uh, teens, it's also popular outside teen circles as well, at least according to a new report from CounterPoint Research. They say that in the first half of 2022, 30% of iPhone owners in North America now own an Apple Watch. And I have to say, walking around and just uh, in my circles, it seems maybe a little bit even higher than that. I'm, almost everybody I see when I'm out and about seems to have an Apple Watch. I don't know what that's all about or if you've noticed the same thing, but certainly seems to be a popular accessory, at least through my observations. The latest version of the iPhone finally came out. The iPhone 14 Plus has been on sale, and sales have been slow as was kind of predicted, but it might not be as bad as you think. Digitimes says that customers are by far opting for the pro version of the iPhones, but they say that iPhone 14 and sales of the iPhone 14 Plus are slow, but still steady. As a matter of fact, they still say that total shipments of the iPhone 14 models 
are expected to be about the same in the back half of the year as they were for the iPhone 13 models last year. So selling okay, there probably will be a little bit of a scale back in production, but still going to do okay for Apple. And again, I think As I've said before, the iPhone 14, iPhone 14 Plus are more of a long tail product. I think what's going to happen is you have all the early adopters jumping in on the iPhone 14 Pro. And then over time, slowly but surely, the more affordable iPhone 14, iPhone 14 Plus models are going to get sold to you know, other consumers as they look to upgrade their current devices. So they'll do much better in the back half of probably 2023, right before we get to the new announcement of the iPhone 15. So, you know, I think Apple knows their strategy. They know what they're doing with iPhones and uh, they just adjust and predict accordingly. A little more information on Apple's AR VR headset. We're still expecting that product to maybe come out sometime in 2023. This week, we have information from the site, The Information, who claims to have spoken with two people who worked on Apple's rumored AR VR headset and claims that the Apple device will use biometric iris scanning to allow wearers to be able to log into the device and actually make purchases and access content. So this is going to make it a lot easier for multiple users to be able to use and share the same headset, which is probably a good thing because it's expected to be very expensive, somewhere around the $3,000 US range, according to latest reports. They also say that Apple will use eye tracking to dynamically adjust the graphic fidelity of the displays, in the wearer's peripheral vision. So basically reduce the uh, the graphics quality in your peripheral vision areas. And that by doing that, they can actually reduce the usage on the GPU and the processing power there. And I would imagine gain a little bit of extra battery life. So interesting little feature. Apple has reportedly been uh, targeting, targeting a design that would be very lightweight and comfortable. Most reports say it's going to resemble a pair of ski goggles, and they say that the device will have 14 cameras and be ca- be capable of capturing body movements, including your legs. So should be a pretty amazing, very interesting product. And I think, you know, as Apple often does, they take a little bit longer to bring this kind of product out. Obviously, Meta is out with some new products and things like that and it sometimes feels like apple may be a little bit far behind in the space but they often do that they they sort of wait things out figure out where the consumer applications are going to be find really killer features and use cases for consumers to get really excited about and then release a really fully thought out fully featured product we don't see them doing a lot of the kind of public r&d we see with a lot of other companies that go through you know, massive iterations, come out with a product that's maybe not full featured, doesn't really make a lot of sense, and then kind of iterate, iterate, iterate. Apple does all that stuff in secret, and then just wows us with something really amazing. So really excited about seeing what Apple might bring us in 2023 with an ARV or a headset, but who knows when that product will come to fruition. Hopefully it's something that can get done in 2023. There's always the chance that they could delay it even further if they can't get it to where they think it should be. So we'll have to wait and see sometime, maybe next year. And then finally, in the news for this week, spatial audio coming to your car, at least if you own a very expensive Mercedes Benz. 
Apple and Mercedes-Benz announced that they would be bringing Apple Music spatial audio support with Dolby Atmos to select Mercedes-Benz vehicles worldwide. The rollout is going to include the Mercedes Maybach, the EQS, EQS SUV, EQE, and S-Class models if you have the 31-speaker Burmester 3D or 4D sound system. And that sound system alone is a $4,500 plus or $6,700 plus upgrade, respectively, depending upon if you have the 3D or the 4D. So as long as you have one of those uh, Mercedes-Benz models, which I'm sure are all quite expensive in and of themselves, and you have the Elite audio system, uh, you have those two things, then, yep, you're going to get spatial audio support in your car. So who knows if this will eventually roll out to maybe more affordable vehicles that uh, a lot of the rest of us use. But hey, if you have one of those vehicles, uh, congrats, you're going to be able to get full Apple Music spatial audio in your car. And I bet you it's going to sound amazing and better with 31 speakers. So <laughs> if you do own one of those and do get this upgrade, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear how you how you like it and if you think it really makes a difference or not. Shoot me some feedback. Send me an email, maccast at gmail.com. But with that, that is going to do it for the news for this week. Before we move on, I do want to take a moment and thank a couple of show sponsors, starting off with Ladder. Hey, if you're anything like me, you have a certain tendency to put things off until the very last minute. I know for me, it's things like paying the bills, you know, who likes doing that, renewing my car registration, and doing yard work. And while most of the time it works out, the one thing in life that you really can't afford to wait on is setting up term coverage life insurance. You've probably seen life insurance commercials on TV and thought, yeah, I'll look into that later. No, this isn't something that you can wait on. Choose life insurance today through Ladder. Ladder is 100% digital, and that means no doctors, no needles, no paperwork when you apply for $3 million in coverage or less. Just answer a few questions about your health in an application. Ladder's customers rate them at 4.8 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot, and they made Forbes' best life insurance of 2021 list. You'll just need a few minutes and a phone or a laptop to apply, and then Ladder's smart algorithms work in real time so you can find out instantly if you're approved. No hidden fees, cancel anytime, get a full refund if you change your mind in the first 30 days. Ladder policies are issued by insurers with long proven histories of paying claims. They're rated A and A plus by AM Best. Finally, since life insurance costs more as you age, now is the time to cross it off your list. So go to ladderlife.com slash maccast today to see if you're instantly approved. That's L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash maccast ladderlife.com slash maccast and a big thank you to ladder for their support of the show i'd also like to thank my sponsor nord vpn are you missing out on your favorite show because it's not available in your region or are you wanting to keep your data and information private well let me introduce you to nord vpn one thing I know is frustrating for me is region locks on streaming content. You know, you hear about a great show from a friend in another country, only to find out you can't stream it in yours. NordVPN solves this problem with a click of a button, 
as you have access to more than 5,000 server options, so no show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com slash maccast, you can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan, plus get four months free. And what about privacy? I worry about my data, especially when using open Wi-Fi hotspots and access points, mostly when I travel or maybe at, an, at a cafe or an event. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted, so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. NordVPN also offers a new threat protection feature that allows you to say goodbye to intrusive web ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. You can try out NordVPN risk-free with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue a refund, and you can pretend the entire situation never happened. Check out my link, nordvpn.com slash maccast. That's n-o-r-d-v-p-n.com slash maccast to get your subscription started today. And a big thank you to NordVPN for their support of the show. We've been having a discussion on the past few episodes about Apple care and Apple support and going back and forth on sort of good positive support experiences and maybe some not so positive support experiences, sharing those stories with each other. And this week I got an email from Adam who shared a different kind of support story and kind of brought up something that I think is worth discussing and worth worth thinking about. And that is what about support from quote unquote Apple that's technically not Apple support, but support from their partners, their service partners specifically. In this case, it's Apple Card and Apple Cash. And so I think we brought this up a little bit earlier with the banking story, right? Apple has Apple Card, but it's really not Apple's card. It's actually a card given out and managed by their partner, Goldman Sachs. And Apple Cash for your cash rewards and your cash back is actually managed and uh, done by a company called Green Dot. So these are Apple partners, uh, companies that Apple has selected to work with. And if you call up to get support on either of these products, you actually get transferred over to a different company to get your support. So even though it feels like you're going through Apple and that these are Apple branded products, they really aren't. And this is sort of what Apple, what Adam ran into this week. Apple, or Adam rather, wanted to use Apple Cash to try and tip a delivery person who had delivered some appliances to his home. And when he attempted to actually send the cash, uh, it failed. iOS gave an error. Apple Cash services unavailable. Now, Adam had recently heard that this could happen sometimes after you've set up a new device, and he had recently updated to a new iPhone 14 Pro. He also knew from the story he had heard that a potential fix would be going in and just toggling Apple Cash off and toggling it back on again, which he did. And then when he did that, he was able to get Apple Cash to work and successfully tip the delivery person. Everything seemed totally fine until he actually looked at his Apple Cash transactions and he noticed that he had two identical payments to the delivery driver that were deducted from his Apple Cash. So the first one actually did go through despite giving an error. And then the second one was, of course, successful. So he contacted Apple support 
and uh, was promptly redirected to Green Dot. And when he got to Green Dot was sort of when things went south. Green Dot denied his claim because they said that both of the transactions were authorized by him and said he really had no other resolution. He was basically just out the cash and Green Dot wasn't really going to do anything more about it. So that kind of stinks. And really, you have no repercussion or re other resolution for that. And so that's where he was left. And that was kind of a sour, bad user experience. And so I thought, you know, this really does bring up a good point about how Apple's third party partners are probably perceived by most customers. Now, Adam is smart enough to know that this isn't directly Apple that he's dealing with. But I don't think most consumers would realize the customer service relationship that's going on here. And I think this kind of bad experience definitely reflects back on Apple, at least in the eyes of most consumers. They're not going to see this little nuance. They're going, I have a problem with my Apple card or my Apple cash. I've contacted Apple support and they're not giving me good customer service. And I think that could very much reflect poorly back on Apple. And I'm trying to think of other situations where there's this kind of thing going on. I don't know if it maybe also happens with some of their carrier partners and things like that, but I thought it was worth bringing up for discussion. And I thought it was a great point being made by Adam here. So what do you think? You know, is Does Apple have a problem? Should they be taking more control over the customer service relationship when dealing with these third-party partners? I have honestly heard more bad stories about people having to deal with Apple Card issues and working with Goldman Sachs and things like that. Now, I've had to go and deal with Goldman Sachs through Apple Chat a few times, and all of my experiences so far, knock on wood, have been positive, but I think I might be the exception versus the rule. So I'd be curious to know if you have some stories out there about you know Apple support that wasn't really Apple support and sort of the experiences you had there. If you want to share any of your thoughts or opinions with us, shoot me an email, send me an audio comment, maccast at gmail.com. Jeff wrote in this week via email to discuss a cool new feature that he said he'd like to see on his Apple Watch. And what he was noting was that if you swipe down on your Apple Watch, you can often see an icon of your iPhone, and that'll tell you whether or not your Apple Watch is actually connected to a nearby iPhone or not. If you get a little green icon that looks like a phone, that means you're connected to your iPhone. If it's a red with a slash through it, it means your iPhone is probably too far away or there's been some sort of other connectivity issue and you are disconnected from your iPhone. Now, as many people know, Apple Watch and iPhone kind of go together unless you have a cellular Apple Watch. Um, But even there, there's a lot of interplay between Apple Watch and iPhone. So to Jeff's point, he said, hey, you know, occasionally people leave home or leave the office with their phone maybe still on a table or still on a charging stand or something like that. And wouldn't it be really great if your watch could easily pop up alert pop up an alert when it gets disconnected or out of range of that iPhone and let you know, hey, you left your iPhone behind. Well, it turns out with watchOS 8, this is actually now a thing with the Find My app. So if you open up the Find My Devices app on the watch and then tap on your iPhone, you'll notice there are some options there and you can scroll down and tap on the notify when left behind option and simply toggle that on. Now, I assume this feature would work on an Apple Watch if you had a cellular version. Uh, I'm not really sure it would work if you don't have one with a cellular connection because it does need to kind of shoot those notifications through the internet. Now, I think Jeff was thinking it'd be nice if it could just detect, hey, 
your iPhone has moved out of range and then notify you of that. This feature is not exactly that, but it is kind of a new feature. The feature can also be set up for iPads, iPhones, and AirTags. And if you go into the app on your Mac, you can also use that to define zones for some devices where you will not get notified if a device is left behind in a specific location, say like your house. And as a matter of fact, I think for iPads, This is defaulted to on, at least it was when I went to check my iPad settings. So it'd be a common scenario where you might leave your iPad at home and go out and do things. But uh, I was traveling recently with my iPad and I did notice this feature because I would leave my iPad, say, in my hotel room. And then when I was out and about for the day, I'd get a notification letting me know, hey, you left your your iPad behind. And it was kind of nice to know, you know, you can just ignore it and say, yep, I meant to leave it behind. But, you know, if I hadn't, and I had accidentally left my iPad in a hotel room, say, when I checked out, this would be a nice kind of little reminder and feature, and I could go back and actually get it. So on the Mac, uh, if you want to set up this feature, you can go into the Find My App, choose a device or an AirTag uh, or an item, click on the Info icon, and then click on the Notify When Left Behind option, and then you can toggle that on or off, and then under the Notify Me Accept at... You can add any loca- any locations that you don't want to be notified from. And there is also suggestions based on your frequent locations, and you can add those by clicking the little plus icon. So this is kind of a nice new feature built into, again, the latest iOS, uh, macOS, and watchOS 8. If you hadn't run across that yet, uh, you can go in and kind of check that out. Another topic of discussion we've been having here on the MacCast recently is audio streams and sending and routing audio either into or out of your Mac. And Justin wrote to comment after hearing a recent MacCast where we were helping a listener who wanted to be able to send audio to multiple output sources, analog or digital, from his Mac at the same time. And Justin said, hey, I have a similar need. Um, I want to be able to send audio to a Bluetooth amplifier connected to a speaker, and I also want that audio to be output on my iMac at the same time. And he said, hey, uh, so your tip that you gave was kind of timely. I went and I tried using the audio MIDI setup method uh, that I covered, and that allows you to set up a multiple output interface. And he gave that a try, but just as I noted in the show, he said, It really didn't work for me because of the limitation of not being able to independently control the volume levels. And so I had said in that episode, hey, then check out Loopback from Rogue Amoeba, which will allow you to control all your audio levels. And he tried that, but then he ran into issues with that application with the audio and the Bluetooth connection being slightly out of sync with his iMac. And uh, loopback is really good if you have physically connected stuff. And that was why I had kind of recommended it for um, the previous listener. And another thing that Justin had noted was, you know, loopback is kind of expensive. It tends to be more of a professional tool. I think it's US $99 for a license. And he said, you know, that's a little bit more expensive for my application. Is there something else you could recommend that would allow me to deal with the audio sync issue and also control volume independently and that sort of thing and so yes for wireless audio with multiple outputs that can be very tricky especially keeping all the audio in sync one way to manage that is when you get a wireless speaker or device make sure that it supports airplay 2 and airplay 2 basically solves that issue for you so if everything in your audio wireless setup that you need to send multiple output of audio to wirelessly is airplay 2 
that's built into iOS, macOS, and the AirPlay spec, and it will all just work. That's fine, but in this case, Justin doesn't have an AirPlay 2 Bluetooth device, and so, Justin, for you here, if you have a mix of wireless devices like Bluetooth speakers, older AirPlay devices, what I would look at is another Rogue Amoeba product called Airfoil, and this one is actually cheaper. I think it's around $40 US. I'll have a link to it in the show notes at maccast.com. And it is completely awesome because it works with all kinds of wireless audio. So whether that's Apple TV, Bluetooth, AirPlay devices, Sonos, Google Chromecast, Cast TV, Cast speakers, it works with all of those things. And it specifically will keep all of the audio in sync. It's actually tuned for that. It does it all automatically Super easy to use. You can control all the volumes on all the output sources independently. You can even set up predefined groups of speakers and you can kind of switch between those. So it's really, really awesome. And I think it's exactly the thing that you're looking for. Another huge advantage of Airfoil is there's also a free app called Airfoil Satellite that you can get for multiple uh, devices and computers, including Mac, Windows, iOS, and Android. And it allows you to remotely control all of your airfoil setup. And even better yet, you can use the app on a device for airfoil output. So what that means is that you could actually literally take an iPhone or an Android device, maybe an old one or an old Mac or an old Windows machine, hook that to a set of speakers, and then airfoil foil or wirelessly play audio to that. So it's a great way to repurpose an old device. And it's absolutely amazing. A a great, great product from Rogue Amoeba. Airfoil, you should be able to find it over on the website. I'll have a link to it in the show notes at maccast.com. And I hope that helps you out. And then finally in the show for this week, I have a thing of the moment. And this one's going to be particularly of interest to you thespians out there. And no, that's not a new race of creatures in Star Wars. That would mean you actors and actresses out there. Uh, This came about uh, because I recently was in a play for my community theater. I haven't actually been in theater in years since uh, since I was in college, and I won't tell you how long ago that was, but let's just say it was a long time ago. Decades are involved. And uh, I needed to be able to practice my lines. And so I went out searching for an app to help me do that, and I actually found a great app called Scene Study that's just $3 US, a very, very affordable app. And it is amazing. It supports full-length productions and short and one-act plays. And it is super easy to use. Basically, you go in, you can add any number of productions. So you add a production, and then you go in and you add in your scenes. You add in all of your characters, and then you go within each scene and you record each of the individual parts for each character. And you can easily sort of label the characters. Uh, You can set up and easily re-record a line if you actually mess something up. You can insert additional lines if you need to do that. And it's got a great, simple little interface. And then once you have all of that set up, what you can do is you can use the app to then play your scenes. And they have options that allow you to mute the part that you're playing. So basically... You get all of the other audio, you get all of the cues and prompts for your lines, 
and then you can deliver your lines during the pause. Now, even better than that is that it has a couple of modes. So you can kind of use that mode, but then it also has a book mode that's really, really helpful when you're first learning your lines. And what will happen there is it'll read the parts, and then when it gets to your lines, it will actually pause your audio and then give you a prompt. And so if you can't remember what your line is, you can actually tap a button to play your line as a reminder if you need to re-cue your line, you can actually tap a button to do that. So it'll read, you know, the line leading up to your line. And then once you've got it figured out and you've got it memorized, you can tap the I'm good and then it will automatically continue. And so it's a simple little app. It doesn't do a lot of things, but what it does is it does the one thing it needs to do perfectly. And it really, really helped me learn my lines for this recent community theater performance. So... That is my thing of the moment for this week. It is called Scene Study, and I will have links to it in the show notes at maccast.com if you want to check it out. But with that, that is going to do it for this episode of the MacCast. Thank you for hanging out with me. Before I leave you, I do want to take a quick moment and thank a couple of our show supporters. Bandwidth for the MacCast is provided by Cashfly. You can find them at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. And all advertising on the MacCast is handled by Backbeat Media they are at backbeatmedia.com. As always, if you have a comment, a, qu- a question, something you'd like to hear covered on a future episode of the MacCast, you can send your emails and audio comments to maccast at gmail.com. You're also welcome to call in on the listener hotline. That phone number is 281-622-4269, 281-MAC-IM9, and you can leave a voicemail there. If you need show notes, links to anything that I talked about on this or any other episode of the MacCast, you can find those on the website. That's at maccast.com. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash MacCast. You can check out the MacCast Facebook page over at facebook.com slash the MacCast or find me on Instagram, just MacCast on Instagram. But with that, that is going to do it for now. Until next time, I will talk to you all again real soon. <laughs>